KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. My name is Mike Hagan. This is Radio Orbit. I'll be back with you in just a few minutes.
All right, all my favorite colors as well. Good evening, everyone. Good morning. Good day. Whoever you are, wherever you are, and whenever you might be listening, welcome to the program. It's Radio Orbit. Good to be with you tonight. Once again, I'm sure glad to be back here in the studio and talking with you all in real time. Radio Orbit, every Monday, we investigate the cutting edges in science and technology and nature and art and music and medicine, sometimes strange and unusual and sometimes interesting, usually pretty cool. You're listening to it Monday, June 8th, 2020. Hope you're all doing well out there and that things are good for you tonight. Welcome to the show. Hope you're enjoying the evening. Another warm Monday night here in mid-Missouri, waning gibbous moon. Full just a couple days ago. Getting a little bit smaller now, day to day. New moon in about 12, 13 days or so from now. Sky's pretty clear here in mid-Missouri, though, after a nice hot weekend. Take a look outside up into the heavens, wherever you are. It'll provide you with some much-needed perspective. All right, of course, once again, a lovely night to roll up and listen to Radio Orbit. Let's take care of a little bit of business here first, and then on to the show. As always, big thank you to the wonderful KOPN staff and volunteers making wonderful radio here for nearly 50 years, about 48 or so. 24-7, 365, though, just a remarkable, awesome collection of people that make it up here, uh, make it happen here, I guess, at the Mighty Fine 89 on Mondays. Woody's always getting things rolling. 3 to 6 p.m., traditional, classic country and Ameripolitan music, the real deal country show. Awesome stuff with Woody every Monday. Once again today, tech radio guys take over at 6 o'clock. Kelvin inspired as always tonight. Uh, jazz plus blues equals race, comedy, and justice. And just a bit ago, concluding New Wave Radio Theater. Awesome stuff. Good music, good talk, good news. 89.5 on the dial and streaming all around this wacky world at www.kopn.org. It's your imagination station, KOPN Columbia. Also, big thanks to all you for listening to the program. I appreciate the participation. I got some interesting email last week with regard to the conversation we had with Dr. Sven Nyholm. But you can always reach me through the website at MikeHagan.com, and you can email me, or you can use Twitter or Instagram, or I guess that's about it, but not too difficult to, hit, uh, to get a hold of me if you, if you try. Anyway, hello out there, uh, out there to those who have tried, and I appreciate the notes and the, you know, good wishes and whatever. Uh, I love hearing from people. Always feel free. Message me, whether it's a potential guest or maybe you've got a musician you want to hear on the show or a topic you'd like to hear covered. Maybe you have art, poetry, whatever. Send it to me, and I'll check it out, and we can share it with other people, okay? Yeah, last week we had Dr. Sven Nyholm from Utrecht University in the Netherlands. And we talked about many of the vexing questions being brought up by advancing technology like artificial intelligence and the combination of that type of thing with robotics and nanotechnology and genetic engineering. And uh, we talked about lots of things, self-driving cars to sex robots to military killing machines. We covered a lot of ground with Dr. Nyholm. And I'm thrilled I had the chance to speak with him. Hopefully we can do something with him again in the future. He and I have talked a little bit off the air about maybe doing something with uh, David Gunkel, who is a colleague of Dr. Nyholm's, uh, and he's a professor up there at uh, University of Northern Illinois. Um, so anyway, uh, it was a cool show, and I enjoyed having a chance to 
share that with y'all. We also did space weather and covered some of the news. If you missed the show last week, or any of the older shows for that matter, they're on the web, available in the archives at the website at www.mikehagan.com. You can go to the show archives. There's also music archives. Speaking of music, we had great songs last week from Yin Yin. Cool music from the Netherlands as well. All of that's available at the website, okay? All right, one last thing. You might consider checking out the site and clicking over to the Radio Orbit Forum. There are lots of people involved over there these days. I think 220 or 230 people last time I looked. But anyway, you can post questions directly to me there or you can uh, talk to others in chat rooms that you can start up or you can post news stories or comment on other things that have already been posted. And there's tons and tons of stuff there that goes back over the last couple of years. And I kind of use it as an archive for cool stories or relevant stuff that I think that I find in the news, stuff like that. So anyway, check it out, uh, the Radio Orbit Forum. And I will say that at the top of the forum, there is a pinned post. And also, if you go to the regular Mike Hagan website, you'll notice a couple new things if you look closely. And that is because the podcast is finally up and operational so if you're interested in getting the radio orbit programs sort of uh, just magically appear in your uh, playlist or however it is that you listen to uh, shows and music and that type of thing anyway if you subscribe to the podcast that'll happen and every time a new show comes out uh, you'll get it and you won't have to go look for it so yeah check out the new podcast and you can subscribe to that uh, at the MikeHagan.com website, or you can find your way over there from KOPN. But it's available on lots of different uh, podcast platforms and all of the major ones. So if uh, if you're interested, check it out. It's not too hard to find. All right. Okay. Uh, tonight, the genius of civil rights activist and brilliant comedian Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory was born October 12, 1932, in St. Louis, Missouri. And he died on August 19th, 2017, just about three years ago in Washington, D.C. He was an African-American comedian, remarkable comedian, civil rights activist, and actually a health advocate toward the, uh, toward the end of his career. And he was very helpful in uh, looking at the unhealthy diets of, of black Americans. Uh, anyway, I've located a talk from Dr. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Gregory. Um, from 2010 and I need to uh, give a shout out to Kelvin because he discovered it and played it either last week or the week before on one of his programs and I was so impressed that I wanted to share it with you all so um, in just a few minutes we'll have uh, a talk from uh, Mr. Dick Gregory from 2010 and uh, I'm going to share that with you thanks to Kelvin for sharing that with me and we'll do that in a few minutes, okay? For the tunes tonight, music from the Black Pumas. A little more mainstream than I normally like to go for tonight, but I thought it was good. Uh, so, all right, we started the show off with a call called... I'm sorry, with a call. We started the song... Uh, we started the show with a song called Colors. And we're going to play another one right here. I'll take a little minute here to wet my whistle and get my act together. We'll come back and have a wonderful talk. Uh, recorded in 2010 with Mr. Dick Gregory. 
All right, it's Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM, streaming on the web at kopn.org. And this is the Black Pumas, the song called Know You Better. I'll be back in just a few minutes.
Radio Orbit with Mike Hagan on KOPN 89.5 FM. That's right, it is Radio Orbit on KOPN, and my name is Mike Hagan. It's hard to predict whether Dick Gregory will be most celebrated as a path-breaking comedian or a trailblazing civil rights activist. It's impossible to imagine the history of either movement without him or without his unique blending of the two. In the 1960s, he became one of the first black comedians to perform before integrated audiences. In 1967, he ran for mayor of Chicago against Richard J. Daley, and a year later, he ran for president as the Freedom and Peace Party candidate. The author of and contributor to many politically charged books, Dick Gregory was a staunch, wry political voice across a range of issues as varied and nuanced as nutrition, social justice, and the environment. Chicago Sun-Times columnist Laura Washington interviewed the provocative and unpredictable Dick Gregory. And it was in 2010. I hope you enjoy it. It's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. I'll be back with you in just a little bit. That's your job. <laughs> Welcome back to Chicago. Thank you, always. What a pleasure. You, and, and first, thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This type of weather, you all got nerve enough to be inside? Yeah. Well, they came for you. And they came because, you know, you, you have a long, long set of Chicago roots. You spent many years living here. Raised raise your family here. Yes. Raised some hell here. Yes. A little bit. More than a little bit? Yeah, more than a little bit. Yeah, but it was fun. When did you, where did you live when you were living here? And, and what, were, what were you up? That was back in the days when you were early days. Of I was out by the University of Chicago on 55th Street. That building that they put right in the middle of the street. <laughs> it's the only city in the world where the politics is so strange, you can build a building in the middle of the street and make cars go around. Right? <laughs> And so I was there, and this, that's how I met my wife. I was, she was at the University of Chicago, and I was taking a shortcut through, and she thought I was a professor. <laughs> <laughs> Honest mistake, but a uh, good one. Yes. Turned out pretty well. How many for years me, now? How me. many years? 50. 50, 50 years. years. No, no, no. <laughs> Love ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> She told me when we first got married, if you ever leave me, I will hurt you. <laughs> and hurt will keep a brother home for a long time. <laughs> and there's another word that'll keep a brother home that Michael Jordan found out about called half. <laughs> My problem is, I guess like a lot of black men, I didn't know how strong See, I've always said the strongest two forces in the history of America has always been the black woman and the black church. But I didn't realize how, you know, how, how smart she was until that, well, there's certain things that happened that, you know, Kobe Bryant, remember that incident? A white woman accused him of, of raping her. Right. And he went home and bought his wife a $4 million diamond ring. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if a white woman tonight accused me of raping her and I go buy a little a four million dollar diamond ring, she'd get two more white women. Then it adds up real fast. You hear me? Because she got enough sense to know wherever that ring came from, there's a matching necklace and bracelet, huh? <laughs> and sometimes you just kind of forget, you know, you, you live with, you take them for granted, you know. And I don't know why most Americans have not been able to see that the whole rhythm have changed. So Y'all be playing games and, and talk about the young folks this and talk about young folks that. I was at a conference the other day and they talking about the young, the young boys with their pants hanging down. But uh, mm -hmm. if that was women with your pants there, we would love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so my reaction is simple. That's cool, but why is this a priority? Hitler never wore his pants down. The mafia, you can't find people more immaculate than them. Huh? The priests that got busted for ripping off little boys for 100 years, they never wore their pants down. The problem is, is when you try, because your spirit is not there, to identify wrong by the way it look, then you're in trouble. Instead of saying, wait, I don't qualify to analyze this, but let's see if we can find somebody. If you ever bit your tongue, you know how bad that hurts. Hmm? These white children go stick their tongue out and run five screws through it, and they're not taking painkiller, and y'all so arrogant and on a crazy side of nothing, locked up with greed, you don't even know what that means. Anytime your young folks start inflicting pain on themselves, hmm? And you better watch it. If you go back and check and find out why the Chinese hate the Japanese, it's because of the invasion in 1933. And they had instructions not to kill the leaders. Every young Chinese man you see with a tattoo blow their brains out, and you don't even know what they knew, that tattoo represents revolution. So y'all can laugh at these children if you want and think they're crazy, and then, anyway, that's up. Good, good advice, good advice. You, you mentioned politics and, and that big building on the south side. Yes. And there's another big building downtown that back in the day when you were doing your protesting stuff, you called the snake pit. You remember that? You called City Hall a snake pit, and you called oh. the gentleman who was running at the time a snake. You remember who that was? You know, why you tell me I can't bring no gun here, and then you start bringing up all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> You said it. What, you trying to get a story for the Mars paper? Well, I write for the Sun-Times, remember? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, but Richard right. J. Daly, you were, you yes. ran against Richard J. Daly. You, you, I ran marched against against, you marched against, you outside of his house. I ran against him. And uh, I couldn't understand why he was so upset. I had white cops that didn't even like me was coming to tell me, said, you know, you can die for what you're doing. I didn't really. And what they were talking about was, um, this man was probably, you'd have to go back to the early days of the Roman Empire to find someone that was his most powerful. There was more power. Yeah. His embarrassment was <clears throat> that I was running as a write-in candidate. And what they was worried about <clears throat> was High Park Kenwood. Hmm. Educated group, uh, money group, and they know how to write in. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what his embarrassment was. Mm-hmm. How did you that do in that race? I did, I did well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'd have won, I'd have asked for a recount. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to be wrong with this picture. Something, yeah, something, somewhere, you know. It's just like when, when, when they, they, they found Richard Nixon's hate list. And, and uh, the AP called me, Mr. Gregory, uh, 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 we got a hate list of, uh, of Dick Nixon and you number three. Can we get a comment from you? I say, tell him I accept before he changes his mind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no. but, but those were fun days. I learned a lot here. I, you know, I come out of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You go to St. Louis. You ever, you ever go? Oh yeah, I was just there the other day. I went to. I was on campus on your campus at SIU, yeah. Carbondale, where you went to school. Yeah. Well, anytime you go through St. Louis, sit your watch back three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's slow down there, huh? Slow. <laughs> so you were, you also and and, and white folks mm-hmm. and black folks are different. Uh, and when the economy got bad and white folks decided that you couldn't keep those three or four dogs, you called the animal shelter and they picked them up. That's why animal shelters are full. And their budget is gone. Mm-hmm. Now, my black cousin, he, he don't know nothing about no animal shelter. He got five pit bulls that he realized he lost his job, he couldn't feed them. So he carried them in his car 30 miles outside of St. Louis to a little town called Kenlock and just let them go. They beat him home. (laughs) (laughs) So you also ran for president long before a certain gentleman who now occupies the White House. Matter of fact, until he ran, I was the only African-American to run for president. Wait, wait, look, look, look. Did y'all come to hear me? I'll come to hear you. <laughs> Shirley Chisholm. Was a woman. Shirley Chisholm. Hmm? Al Sharpton. And all the others. Carol Mosley Braun. Jesse they Jackson. ran in the primary. Mm-hmm. I ran on a write-in candidate and had Obama not won the primary, then up until this day, I would still be the only black in the history of America to run for president of the United States. That's why you got to be careful with perception. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, had I been, you know, I never realized how lucky white folks are, you know. I mean, when you finally get a African-American that's your president, he's a nice, polite one. Uh, went to Harvard. Oh, head of his class. See, what y'all really needed was a brother like me. And you'd have had a lot to write about. Oh, yeah. Because so. my first act, after I was sworn in, would go to the White House and dig up that rose garden and plant me a watermelon patch. <laughs> well, Michelle's got that garden. Maybe you can talk to her about that now. No, no, they are. They're, no, they they're are, not into that, huh? They, you know, they are kind of. And there'd been no white folks in my cabinet. Y'all didn't laugh on that one, did you? <laughs> 
And you black folks, the only way you'd qualify to be in my cabinet, you had to go no further in school than the third grade. <laughs> so how do you think Barack Obama's doing so far? Well, I haven't put my cabinet together yet. Let me do that. Okay, all right. <laughs> then you can tear his apart. You see, see, my belief is this. If these white folks that messed up this country this bad with cabinets, with PhDs, and some of the wealthiest people in the world, and if we end up with this mess, let me try something different. Some Negroes ain't never been to school, can't read, can't write, and let's see if we can change it. <laughs> well, I got a cousin outside of St. Louis, Jabbo. He'd be my secretary of defense. And I can just see these white folks on 60 Minutes. Jabbo, now that you secretary, what you planning on doing about defense? Say, first I'm gonna fix it, then paint it. <laughs> now, what did you, what did you ask me? I asked you, how's Obama doing? And even, and I wanna, you know, this is a, what we really want to talk, I wanted to really talk to you about tonight is race. And yeah, race but first and, you have your ask And I, I asked you about Obama. Obama. He's, he's the first. Yeah, I, I couldn't rate him. He's, he's, he's the first. First, he's an illegitimate president. Okay. Okay. Tell us about that. Well, Bush scared white folks so bad, they forgot they weren't supposed to vote for a Negro. <laughs> so he slid in there. And they was nice, and they was humble, and they was polite. But now they're not scared no more. Now he's catching hell. Mm -hmm. You know, where you been? How come you took the plane to go? You know that kind of thing. You know? they, they, they suddenly remember he's black. You know, but the, the whole bit is, I wouldn't try to grade him. I'd give him incomplete because when he came in, the house was on fire. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. And there's certain things that he have to do. Okay, if you like the banks or not, you know. Uh, Jesse James didn't like banks. <laughs> but the perception of banks around the world, if we didn't walk in and say that, now we can put them in jail later, but you had to, what's your name, brother? Paul. Oh. The real one? No. <laughs> I thought I heard something. <laughs> No, the earthly one. Okay. <clears throat> Paul, if, if they brought me into the hospital and I've been wounded and bleeding and fractured skull and broken ribs, and while your whole team is working on me, if my heart stops, you got to stop everything and fix this. Well, that's what happened with him when he came in. Huh? He had to fix, and it was so much. That's why I would, I would give him an incomplete. And if I had to grade him, I'd give him an A plus. Mm. You know, A plus. Yeah. So one of the things, one of the things that a lot of people think that he has helped fix is race relations. No, he We're can't. We're living in this post-racial society oh, now that we have a black president. He can't, he can't. That's, like, that's like saying he got to be president and my brain tumor. He's not qualified to fix that. Mm -hmm. His election didn't do it. No, did see, in, in America, we look for the cheap way out. Okay, he's not qualified. Let me see if I have it here. And this is kind of, well, maybe I didn't bring it. But I have the research out of UCLA, right? And 
they did a brain scan <laughs> on black folks and white folks. And you know, this man, he, had, he reads, uh, and you spend $1,000 a week, right? A week, right, on yes, newspaper. on papers. He reads everything. Well, I get a thousand dollar word, I don't pay them all the time. But you don't. <laughs> and you're not even on the internet, you're getting it free. How no, I just, no, I, I, see, I don't do none of that computer stuff. I patterned my life after Queen Elizabeth. When she learned how to type, I'm going to learn how to type. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Queen Elizabeth, you see, if I say something about white folks tonight, you can be guaranteed I'm not talking about you. <laughs> See, what I mean by that, white is not a color, it's an attitude. And if you don't have trillions of dollars in the bank that you don't need, you can't have the attitude. <laughs> I'm talking about Queen Elizabeth type white folks. And most of the black folks, y'all know, we owe y'all a serious apology because we mad at the wrong white folks. White folks we mad at couldn't help us if they liked us. <laughs> Matter of fact, they'll kill you on the way to get me. <laughs> and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is Queen Elizabeth made $360 million every 24 hours just interest on her money. Hmm? Now them bees, white folks. <laughs> they're not honest, they're not ethical, they're not spiritual, they're not godly, but they don't lie. You see, we're going to war to protect our interests. <laughs> and real white folks, the real white folks run the planet, he never had a job. Hmm? Never had a job. And so it's that whole piece of what we tolerate. And God have kind of blessed us because the only thing that makes us a little safe and we haven't had them do to us what they did in Germany with Hitler, is we don't have an honest demigod in America. Yeah. Hitler, with all his craziness, he was honest. He told what he was going to do. He wasn't stealing money and all that. And so consequently, if we stop being frightened, huh, and stop being afraid, and then, and then we can see, we sit here and know that the Wall Street boys determine what legislation, and you ain't gonna say a damn thing about it at all. We take stuff off of them that we wouldn't take off of each other, but that's okay. That's why I can't understand how you call yourself Christians and can be for capital punishment. Well, for two reasons. First, don't you know the state killed Jesus? So how can you cry over the crucifixion of Jesus and be for capital punishment. Huh? He was killed by the state. He wasn't run down by some drunken chariot driver. <laughs> huh? And if Jesus Christ came back, that's why I stopped, you know, that's my, that's why I stopped going to, 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 the, to my Baptist church on, on Easter. So I'm so tired of you black folks every Easter. Were you there when they crucified the Lord? You know, that's a cheap song to sing 2,000 years later. You wasn't there then, and most of you wouldn't show up now. <laughs> and if Jesus Christ came back to America today and bugged the wrong people, they'd give him the lecture chair. Yeah. Then all us Christians be walking around with big chairs around our neck, right? <laughs> there you go.
How, how do you make the sign of the chair? How do you make the sign of the chair? Oh. Now you said once, I think, I saw in my research, you said once that you learned a lot about comedy in the church, that you- that I learned everything. Talk about that. Well, first, I'm born 1932, right? And so there was no TV, just radio. And uh, come out of a ghetto, never been around white folks. And so all the white comedians, they didn't seem funny to me. But, you know, you young folks, you have to understand where you are today. I mean, I'm born 1932. We were so dumb, we used to listen to tap dancers on the radio. I mean, can you believe, especially you old black folks. Hey, old black folks, I don't know what's wrong with these young ones. When we was their age, we didn't have to lock no doors. You didn't have nothing. <laughs> I'm so poor and hungry and ragged when I was a child. The best day we had in our house was Halloween. That's the day you could wear your natural clothes. And everybody thought she was dressed for the occasion. Look at Richard, got on shoes, look just like feet. <laughs> so the church, we were talking about the church. Well, I didn't, we didn't have nightclubs in, in, in St. Louis. And the ones we had was blues and jazz. So there were no comedies. Mm -hmm. So when I hit it big and someone said, where did you learn your comedy? And I realized mine's not comedy, it's humor. And I learned the black church, black preacher. I can just speak for black preachers, white probably the same. Have a new sermon every week, 52 sermons, and don't have Hollywood writers. <laughs> and never give the same sermon over. And they are funny. They don't leave the house to go to church to tell you jokes. It's just something when you into that zone. Like huh? The funniest laugh you ever had in your life didn't come from no professional comedians, come from friends and relatives. You'd be laying all over on the floor, they tell the same jokes every Thanksgiving, the same way. <laughs> the difference between being funny and being a comedian is timing. Timing, huh? Well, why would you need timing if you just, you, you're talking from your spirit, from your, your heart? And so that's what I realized that, that Hugh Hefner, before Hefner brought me in. He brought you to the Playboy Club. The Playboy, right? a Negro comic couldn't work white nightclubs. You could sing, you could dance, but you couldn't stand flat-footed and talk. <laughs> you were the first flat-footer. First. Now before that, when I look at the Bill Cosby's and the Richard Pryor's and all these brilliant black comics, I think about in the last hundred years when we weren't permitted, how many of those did we waste? Hmm? How many of them was there? And, 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 and so consequently, before that, we was hustlers. Not negative. When the supermarkets won't let me sell my oranges in the supermarket because I'm Negro, I sort of stand up outside and say, that's called hustling. And then Hefner came through and said, 
you know, bring your oranges in here. And if you go back and check the records in those days, they always put Negro in front of my name, which didn't bother me. Negro comedian. Then when Bill Cosby came through, you see, because as long as you couldn't work a white nightclub and you was reduced down to hustling, funny, brilliant. And then when that door opened and we were able to work white clubs, then that changed from hustling to an art form. Huh? An art form. And what makes Bill Cosby so genius is the same thing that made Michelangelo, all the great artists, because he paint pictures with his voice. And you see it. There was no need for that before. And, and, and so consequently, the door is open now. Mm -hmm. White women, black women, Asian women, that one knockdown created what you see now. What do you think of some of the comics that are coming along now? I love them. Chris Rock. I love them. My, my, like you, know, you know, you know my grand, my, one of my grandchildren told me, See, if you go to the movie, Granddad, and the music too loud, you're just too old to be in there. <laughs> because, you know, I have 10 children and 12 grandchildren, and I listen to them, and then I realize how, how dumb we were. I mean, February the 2nd is Groundhog Day. What's a groundhog? <laughs> I go all over the world, been in every restaurant you can go to. I've never seen a groundhog on the menu. <laughs> and you know if you don't eat it, it don't exist. <laughs> but listen what they tell us. On February the 2nd, if the groundhog sees his shadow, you know the story, right? Six more weeks of winter. Huh? Now, spring is March 21st. And when you get home, get your calendar and count from February 2nd to March 21st, that is six weeks. <laughs> Groundhog ain't got a damn thing to do with it. <laughs> you see how easy it is? For, for instance, have you white folks ever asked what is black on black crime? Huh? You ask a black person, what's black on black crime? Well, we tired of black folks killing black folks. And that don't bother you, white folks? We tired of black folks killing white folks. Now, they didn't say they tired of black folks killing. <laughs> they said tired of killing black folks. Then who be left? <laughs> and if we all went to China tonight, who you think's killing Chinese in China tonight? If we go to Italy tomorrow, who you think's killing Italians in Italy? And if 98% of all white folks that was murdered in America last year was murdered by white folks, if y'all ain't talking about white on white crime, how y'all trick us to talk about black on black crime? You kill where you live. 
And if you black folk tired of black folk killing black, join the Urban League, the NAACP, get with Jesse Jackson, push, get out here and join us and integrate this country. And I guarantee you, if I'm living over there in that white suburban neighborhood and my old lady make me mad enough to want to shoot somebody, I'm not going to get in my car and drive back to the ghetto. <laughs> so, but all you, all you have to do is just listen. Yeah. Huh? They got all kinds of stuff on TV, but as long as it's these big corporate America putting it on there. Turn on TV, and they're talking about, um, I can't think of the, the pill they give you for men. Oh, Viagra. No, no, the other one. Viagra is a two and a half hour erection, this other one. Come on, help me, y'all know. Cialis! Oh, yeah. white folk, you know what it is. Yeah. And if you white folk don't believe there's a difference between black and white, they tell you if you have a four-hour erection, go to the emergency room. In my neighborhood, a four-hour erection is called a treat. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the damn drugstore and tip the pharmacy. <laughs> Speaking of... And they say... Erection, right in front of your children. So my grandson, four years old, walked up to me and said, Granddad, what's an erection? I said, go ask your grandmother. <laughs> That's why I said, y'all got to be careful about these sisters. He came back smiling. I said, well, what did she say? Uh, she told me that uh, uh, she would tell me later, but for me to tell you, she hadn't seen one of them things around the house in years. <laughs> Pounds. You want to weigh 350 yeah. pounds, as, I, as I understand. You smoked yeah. four packs of cigarettes a day. Every day. You drank a fifth of scotch every, every day. day. You were having a good time. Only reason I didn't do drugs was no room. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look at you now. Obviously, you, something's happened. Something happened. What happened? What, what got you on that whole health kick? You created some wonderful nutritional products that really took off. Happened here in Chicago, a, a black woman way before anybody knew about the human body and what you should eat, named Dr. Fulton. And uh, she sent me, she had a health food store. You see, I thought good nutrition is whatever you was eating, if you liked it, it didn't run out till you got enough. <laughs> and I thought bad nutrition is if it ran out before you got enough, that was bad nutrition. And it was funny, I drink a fifth of scotch every day and uh, smoke full pack of cigarettes every day. And nobody ever called me a nut. When I went into health, they said I was a health nut. <laughs> <laughs> and I came up just like everybody else. Huh? You know, doctors, uh, that's all I knew. This 98-year-old woman went to see the doctor. She said, doctor, my right knee hurt. He said, how old are you? He said, 98. He said, that's why your right knee hurts. She said, Doc, my left knee is 98 and it don't hurt. <laughs> and it was that and, and then trying things and seeing it and, and then feeling good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't come out of no health family. I, uh... And then one day, 
I realized I hadn't been sick. And then I went on a fast to protest the war in Vietnam. And I used to drink so much whiskey that I'd wake up in the morning and I couldn't move the pain in my stomach and I'd just have to run and give me a cold Pepsi Cola or something or crawl across the floor. And then after about 18 months of being a vegetarian, I didn't even know what vegetarian, I never heard vegetarian. Because back then, when I stopped eating meat, when you went to a restaurant, they gave the vegetables away. It's called side oil. <laughs> you order whatever you want, and the rest of it went with it. You come in and not going to order this steak and talk about this side oil. They wouldn't even wait on me. But 18 months, my sinus trouble left. And mine was so bad, if I moved within a 50-mile radius, I'd have a sinus attack. Now, remember now, I'm still drinking and smoking. And then, about six months after that, my ulcers disappeared. And then that's why I slowed up and said, wait, it must be something to not eating animal product. And you know, we call it, you know, meat. No, it's called flush. Meat. It's called the meat of the apple, the meat of the orange. See how they switch words on you? The meat of the nut, you know. And the three strongest animals in the jungle, the gorilla, the elephant, and the rhinoceros, they ain't never ate nothing but fruit and berries. My problem was that once you do something that dramatic, all my black friends, <laughs> uh -oh. they became scientists. <laughs> how come you don't eat no meat? What do you do for protein? <laughs> well, when you love people, you can explain things to them and it gets through. I say, well, the three strongest animals in the jungle, the gorilla, the elephant, the rhinoceros, well, they don't eat no meat. Matter of fact, the meat you eat don't eat meat. <laughs> See how simple it is? And matter of fact, protein, there's a lot of protein in a steak, but cows don't eat steak. See how you have to do it? And then little by little, and then when I lost the weight, I'll be honest, I don't think I could have lost the weight had I not been fasting. I went 40 day fast to protest the war in Vietnam. And then I extended it to a, another 40 days. You so I went 40 days on water, and 40 days on fruit juice, and 40 days on fruit and 40 days on water. And when I got through, I was 92 pounds. Wow. Down from 350. And I had stopped smoking and stopped. I didn't mean to. You know. <laughs> See, I advocate that people belong to AA to take a drink on the way because that other stuff ain't worked. You know, yeah. that drink is the 13th step. You know. And so what I did is had I stopped smoking and drinking at the same time, that I probably wouldn't have been here now. Mm -hmm. Because I would have thought it was uh, the smoking and drinking that changed it. But I was smoking and drinking, and the only thing I had changed was animal product. Uh, mm. uh, anything died, so it's decomposing. Decomposition is mucus and pus. You can re retard decomposition by refrigeration. But is your stomach a refrigerator or incubator? 
so it speeds it up. I don't have no problem with how you eat. I have a problem that the people who's ripping you off do not tell you. And it's hard for you to listen to somebody else when all the stuff you eating that's bad, your mother gave it to you, your yeah. church gave it to you, your state gave it to you. So why would you believe somebody else? And so when you sit and you look, are you all aware that nowhere on this planet that's not locked into some kind of money, financial aid with us, will take our food from this country because it's genetically engineered? And if you know anything about Europe, they call it Frankenstein food. Huh? And they will not take your potatoes because all white potatoes and red potatoes is genetically engineered and there's a hormone in there that one day you'll find out about, but it might be too late. And none of them countries will use it. And the whole world's laughing at you now because it's a strange phenomenon that's going on. We don't understand up until this year, 98% of the folks died from the flu were 65 and over. Y'all been reading that? This year is different. This year, 87% of the flu deaths is 65 and down with the highest number from 36 to 20. And all over the world, they laughing, saying genetically engineered potatoes. They're getting it from the fast food. Now let's look at it. China's the most populated country in the world. They've had 300 cases and no deaths, no fast food, no potatoes from here, okay? India, populated, 37 cases. Russia, none, but you know how they lie. <laughs> and so it's that whole thing. Yeah. Now, three top killers in America. You know, people ask me, I, I, I'm, I'm 77, right? They say, you look so well. How do you know when you're getting old? You know when you're getting old. When somebody compliments them beautiful alligator shoes you're wearing and you barefooted. <laughs> You also know when you're getting old, when you go in a restaurant and order a three-minute egg and they make you pay in advance. <laughs> the number one cause of death in America is sleep deprivation. Number two, dehydration. And number three, lack of physical fitness. All of them are free, all of them is a gift from the universe, but we don't have time. And then you have to pay a price. So I was telling my wife the other day, I'm 77, she's 72, and we don't have a prescription between the two of us. Wow. And, and, and that's, that's you know, that's, you know, and, and, and so if you drink the water and walk, mm. walk. This black woman came up to me and she said, you know, I, you say walk, but I got a bad leg. Walk bad. <laughs> walk the same way you walk when you go buy them lottery tickets. <laughs> I'm sorry, you That's went. okay. I want to, it's just about time. I want to give the audience a chance to uh, weigh in here and ask you a few questions. But, uh, so get ready if you have questions. We're going to have someone uh, walking around the room with the mic. But I just want to go do a real quick riff with you. Yes, please. On some names. Because okay. you just know so many people and know so much history. And I just yes. want to give me a, one, a line or two on each one of these names. Lillian Gregory. Uh, my wife. Uh, my daughter asked me one day, she said, Dad, um, 
Those of y'all know my children, brilliant, they just see this out. All, all their life they finish. Uh, I come out of the ghetto with no education. I'd be scared when somebody called me dad. So she said that, uh, she was like seven years old. She said, we are, we're doing this uh, essay and I, I had a choice to do it on space astronauts or do it on the family. So I decided to do it on family. And I asked mother, can I interview you? And I said, yes. So she said, um, how did you propose to, to mom? And I said, well, Michelle, me and your mother got married on February the 2nd, and you was born on March 28th. <laughs> she said, oh, I think I'll do it on the astronauts, right? <laughs> Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. I knew him personally. Uh, I could not tell you 10 friends of his because I didn't know him from that level. I put him on a 30-day water fast, and he went on a 30-day water fast. We can call Michael crazy and all of that if we want, but when Michael died, he owns, right to this minute, 50% of Sony Records, which is worth about $40 billion. Now, what he didn't know, and I got this from friends from British intelligence, that under the land in Netherland is more oil than is in Kuwait, okay? And so as close as we was, I didn't want to get involved with that with him because I got it for some friends for me. He had the mind of a, of a child. He asked me one day, why am I so strange? Why am I so weird? I said, well, you are that. But I said, how old are you? That's 10 years ago. I said, I'm 40 years old. And I said, well, Michael, you've been a star since you was five years old. Now, I can't use the word I use to him here. But you read it in. I said, Michael, you're 40, and since you're five years old, you never had to beg a woman for sex. I said, think about that. I was married 40 years then. I said, I've been married to Lillian for 40 years. I'm still baking. <laughs> and if I had to take off 77, if I had to count all the time that I begged for sex, I'd be about 15 years old now. <laughs> but think about Michael. Yeah. Think about never walking to school in the wintertime or in the summertime when it's hot or being pressed for homework. Or sitting in class, nervous, wondering if you're passing that. They're private tutors. There ain't no private tutor going to mess around when they know their job depends on that. So all of those normal things. One more. Room service. One more. Room service. You ever had room service? You eat at the restaurant? You know the strange thing about room service in the restaurant? You can't smell the food. When you're at home, you smell the onions and the garlic and you smell everything. So all his life, he's... I told Michael one day, I'm surprised you get up in the middle of the morning and open up the refrigerator and the light come on, you don't start doing your act. <laughs> <laughs> but he was that genius. But who wouldn't be if all they had to do was that? Huh? They didn't have to worry about money. Huh? They didn't have to worry about this, they didn't have to worry about that. You know, and, and you, you ladies, you see, I don't know what pressure that put on us men. 
I'm telling people about Clarence <laughs> Thomas. Now, some of y'all don't like Clarence Thomas, but you got to understand, Clarence Thomas was poor, black, rural, mama couldn't read or write. He had nappy hair, thick jaws, wide nose, but he looked real Negroic. <laughs> and you black women wouldn't go to the prom with him. So he married him a white woman and hated us all. <laughs> so I teach my granddaughters, just go to the prom with them. <laughs> All right, that's a good place for us to take a little break. It's KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM, just about midnight now on the 9th of June, 2020. My name is Mike Hagan. Glad you're with me. Hope you're enjoying this uh, memorial piece, actually, at this point, of uh, Dick Gregory. And he is speaking with Chicago Sun-Times columnist Laura, uh, Laura Washington. This is from 2010. Barack Obama was president. And... Uh, a lot of things that have happened in the last 10 years hadn't happened yet. And I think it's sort of interesting to kind of keep that perspective. So um, let's uh, take a break here and play one from our featured musicians of the night. They're called the Black Pumas. And then we'll, uh, we'll come back and we've got about another 25 minutes or so of that uh, discussion with the wonderful Dick Gregory. All right, it's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM on the web, kopn.org. We're streaming there right now. If you want to listen, give it a click. If the radio ain't coming through clear or if you got someone outside of the listening area here that might want to tune in as well, okay? All right, uh, for me, you can find me on the web at www.mikehagan.com. Excited about the new podcast. Check it out if you'd like. In the meantime, this is one from the Pumas. Black Pumas, that is. This is called Fire. Oh, I 
All right, back to you now. That is a song called Fire by the Black Pumas. You're listening to it here. It's Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. Let's get right back to Dick Gregory. Yes. Oops, that's not exactly what we want, is it? We've got to move it. Let's see, where are we at? I think I was... Uh, let's see. I think this would be close enough. Taking a crowd for you. Uh, white. Clarence <laughs> Thomas. Now, some of y'all don't like Clarence Thomas, but you got to understand Clarence Thomas was poor, black, rural. Mama couldn't read or write. He had nappy hair, thick jaws, wide nose, but he looked real Negroic. <laughs> and you black women wouldn't go to the prom with him. So he married him a white woman and hated us all. <laughs> so I teach my granddaughters, just go to the prom with him. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a question? Yes. Yes, thank you. Wait, wait, she got to bring the mic yeah. down to me. Okay, thank you for being here. Um, you mentioned that when you were hired by Hugh Hefner at the Playboy yes. Club that he listed you as a Negro comedian. Well, yes. Chicago Humanities Festival listed you as an African-American comedian in the bios. How, what's the difference? Between African and African? Well, what is a Negro? That's the first thing. It's not something that I named me. And I don't understand why you, you black folks are upset over the word nigger. You can you, never be a nigger. You name your autobiography. Nigger, yeah. Nigger. And if I had a child and could be guaranteed right now at 77, God would bless me and give me a boy child that would grow up to be the greatest athlete in the history of the planet, greatest, greatest runner, greatest distant runner, greatest hurdler, greatest football, basketball. I'd name him nigger, so y'all have to sit in the radio and say, and nigger cuts to the left. <laughs> Not a nigger. Uh, and you better not say that nigga, cause his name ain't that nigga, his nigga is nigga. <laughs> and then all at once, the O.J. Simpson trial came through and millions of people believe he did it, but he beat it because the way Mark Furman used the word nigga. So someone other than us decided it's gonna be switched to the N-word and black folk went along with it. You think my Jewish brothers and sisters would be stupid enough cause some Germans was upset over Hitler they changed the word SWAT sticker to the S and, 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 and concentration camp to the C word. If you ask Jews all over the world, what did Jesse Jackson say to make you mad? He said, Hami Town, not the H word. <laughs> and that's what I love about my If I had to be born over again, I want to be Irish. Why? Because they didn't call Irish nigger, they called them drunken fighting Irish. <laughs> okay, and what they did, they took the word drunken off and carried fighting Irish to Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anybody over here? Question. We have a mic. Question. Did you finish y'all? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So you don't have any problem with that word? Huh? You don't have any problem with that word? Look, if I juice the orange yeah. right now and threw it on you, if you're stupid enough to believe you're orange, then you something wrong here. Just cause somebody throw that on me. If I say all oh, you hoes in here stand up, you get mad, you hoe, I didn't call your name. <laughs> it's 
a game. Yeah. And look, when the gays was in the closet, they couldn't be cops, they couldn't be principals of schools, there were a lot of jobs they couldn't get. When they came out the closet, things changed. So how come coming out the closet is good for everybody except me? We're going to put nigger in the closet. America is mature enough to deal with that filthy word. It didn't come from another planet. It was created right here by homegrown American boys. And let me tell you something. When I was growing up as a child, there was a lot of people scared of their headaches. They didn't want to get checked because they might find out it's a brain tumor. Well, you keep lying and covering up stuff, and you'll die just like them old folks died that didn't want to hear the truth. Somewhere, you women didn't get to be pilots and president, all these men, because you hid the fact. You let them know we don't like what's going on. And when I think about, you know, when I think of, if I was a white woman, I would just tear up the 15th Amendment. <laughs> 15th Amendment gave black slave, ex-slave men the right to vote. And you didn't get it till 1920. And you came over on the boat with the boy. <laughs> and so when you stop and think about, you know, no, you can never be a nigga just cause somebody, all right, let me put it this way. You billionaire, now go to Neiman Marcus and run up your account. Just cause I call you a billionaire don't make you one. <laughs> and the problem that bothers me that anything negative you call, you can take that, but if I called you a billionaire, oh, he must be crazy. And so somewhere, that's why I, don't, I have a problem when you hide anything. Mm -hmm. huh? We are where we are now in America. We are a better nation now than we was before the King and the Civil Rights Movement because we was hiding it. And now we got to get to the point. The paper I was looking for mm -hmm. was this. There's, there's, y'all probably punch it up on the internet. UCLA Psychiatrist Department did a huge piece where they put a brain scan on 100 white folks. And it showed up on a huge screen, the brain. And it had all the segments, you know, happiness, sadness, fear, fright. And out of them 100 white folks, they showed them pictures of their family. It's already been prearranged. Pictures of the family, pictures of where they grew up, pictures of folks they knew when they were little children. And, 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 and you could see this lovely, quiet tranquility. Then they showed them a picture of a black man. And 63% of them fear damn near jump through their skull and they're not aware of this. Now, put that on hold. They took 100 black folks, hooked them up, did the same thing. Showed them a picture of a black man. 64% of them reacted the same way. You don't qualify to change this if you don't know what go on in the human body. We played long enough on this emotional crap. Now let's sit down and bring in some honest folks, not some old people that, that, that want to trick scientists. I'm in Budapest not too long ago, and they're talking about uh, 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 climate change. And all these brilliant people standing up and they saying, well, this scientist said it's not, this scientist said not. So I just got down in my ghetto drag. I said, well, you know, I, I don't know nothing about you know, climate change. All I know is this, I know that there's glaciers been there for millions of years, they melting. <laughs> Case over. You know, 
But a lot of y'all feel like you got to be smart and all that kind of stuff. You black folks, you got to, I was, some white folks want to find out what was in my head. They read all my stuff. So they bring me over, $40,000. They just want to hear. Uh, Mr. Gregory, what's some of the pressing things you have on your mind today? <laughs> now I'm going to tell them, right? I said, well, I, 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 I'm trying to find out what happened to albinos after high school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every high school got albinos, then they disappear. I don't know where they go. Albino ain't never raped a woman. It'd be easy to find. <laughs> I've been in the military, no albinos, huh? I work to audience like this all the time, no albinos. I'm on the plane every day, no albinos. What happened to albinos after high school? They couldn't handle it. They said, well, what's the next thing that's bothering <laughs> I said, I'm 76 years old, and I've never seen a baby pigeon. <laughs> I don't know nobody that knows somebody that's seen a baby pigeon. And when you see pigeons, they're always sitting up on electric wires. Where did they sit before they was electric? <laughs> We, we have time for two more questions. Questions, okay. Uh, recently in the news, there was a judge in the Deep South who refused to marry interracial couples yes. on the excuse that uh, their children, like Tiger Woods, would yeah. have major problems. Uh, if he were here in the audience today, what would you like to say to him? To them, to who? No, what you mean? No, say that again. I'm what would you say to the judge? To the judge? He we, eventually he uh, resigned. He resigned, yeah. Yes. He didn't resign. But if you were here right no, now, he embarrassed the whole state and the whole nation. Huh? You know, there's a whole lots of things that embarrass us. That we at war. We got a democracy now that we expose to the whole world, and this is just not some thug on the corner. This is a judge, hmm? with that attitude. Well, a whole lot of Americans got that attitude. And we tolerate it because you can hide your feelings. You don't have to come out, you know. The dumber you are, you know, it's like, why do you think they put all these swatch stickers on Jewish temples? Because that dumb white boy, he can't recognize a Jew. <laughs> he see him coming out there, that's another white dude, huh? But that's his church over there. He put swatch stickers and all that stuff on. But once you flush it out, he's not the only one. Suppose he would have gone on and married him, he still felt that way, mm. to keep his job. That's why we got to work and flush this whole thing out. But let me tell you, let me tell you the sad part. It's a weak clap. <laughs> there you go. I want y'all to hear this good. Most black folk, sometimes we make mistakes, can race, recognize a racist white the same way you can recognize my blackness. We act like we don't. When I'm with white folks when I was growing up, I hear them say, them effing Jews, or if you feel that way about somebody that white, I know how you feel about me. <laughs> when all at once when you refer to my sister as gal, 
So there's little things. I say this to say this, that I believe that there would come a day I could walk through an airport and they could have a camera that could protect a bottle of water in my bag. That I didn't know was there. When I was a little boy, people didn't know nothing about brain tumors. They thought it was migraine headaches. They hadn't invented the machines to go in there and see the tumor, then test it to see if it was malignant. And when I was a little boy, when they gave you brain surgery, they took a saw and cut your skull over. Now they go up through your nose. Huh? That's how fast it's going. So DNA, DNA didn't just get invented. <laughs> when we discovered it, DNA been here since day one. <laughs> but look at all the people that died and been to jail wrong because the invention went. Now hear me good. There will come a day that they can run a test right now when you get out the car and they test you for driving drunk or drunk. You think they need the blood? They got a flashlight they can shine over there and pick up your alcohol level. Okay? There will come a day when these brilliant scientists, not born now, will be able to test you and tell if you're racist or sexist, if you hate Jews, if you hate black folk. Why? To save their companies from lawsuits. Mm -hmm. Huh? <laughs> All right? Okay? All about the money. And just like a hundred years ago, most folks didn't know what cancer was, huh? didn't know what a heart attack was, they existed, and so we're going to be into a whole new world now because this thing has become global. And that's why, hey, when you go outside this country and you are talking about the ugly American, they ain't talking about black folk, and they, they should because some of us are just as ugly as you. <laughs> and I behave you. All of that is going to have to change. That's how Obama have changed things around the world. That's why we had 15 minutes to try to get stuff right. And when he went to that first G8 meeting in London, huh? and if you've been following the G8 meetings and the G20 meetings all over the world for the last 20 years, white children have showed up, and whoever's the president, they burn him in effigy. You've always seen it, except in London when Obama was sworn in and two weeks later, he went to London. They didn't hang him because they sensitive to how many black folks been lynched. Now, how can foreigners be this sensitive, but we can't at home? And you dropping this, huh? And y'all talking about, oh, the, the, the stimulus packet and, and the, the medical bill, we leaving this for their children. You ain't left nothing for your children that they're going to have to pay for, like a racist attitude and a new world that ain't going to tolerate it and can test you to see if it's there. Amen. That's what we have time for one more? So one last quick question. Um, I'm, I'm freezing. Um, in the South, there was a young lady who went to Walmart. She, when she walked in the door, she put, a do she put her daughter in line. She went and got her belongings, which I do that too. And when she got, when she got there, back in line, they arrested her for cutting the line, and they're now trying to give her 15 years for cutting the line in Walmart. Uh, I, 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 listen, the case is, is real. Um, 
Oh, and, what, and, what city was that in? I, I can't think of the city, but they've been asking for, this has been going on for two years, I find out, and they've been asking for the closed caption of what actually went on in Walmart, and nobody, the district attorney, uh, will not supply it. At first, they wanted to um, do a plea bargain with her, and she refused to do it. And so that, that's when they decided they were going to give her 15 you years know, for criminal Let me, let me say this, and normally I wouldn't use this as an example. But some of you all in here know about this sheriff in that little town in Texas that put hundreds of black men in jail by framing them with drugs. Some of you all know what this daily machine did to black men. And if it wasn't for that white dude, that investigative reporter mm -hmm. that talked about how they tortured them. The John Burge case you talked yes, about. Yes, okay. And found out how many of them. Mm -hmm. So it, just, it, it happens all over. Every now and then they get caught. Have y'all heard about that little, little town in Pennsylvania, all white, where all them judges just got busted because they found out they was in cahoots with the white companies in New York that build the jails, yes. and then they wanted to build youth center jails. Yes. And all these white, this one white girl said, well, I had uh, five months. How long have you been here? So I've been here five years. Huh? And so if they do that to white, what are they gonna do to, to us? You must remember one thing that I never learned until I went south in the Civil Rights Movement. In the South, they don't care how close you get as long as you don't get too big. That was proved by slavery. I'm, I'm living on the same piece of land he lived on. He called his a whole called my plantation. I was living in a shack, he was living in a big house. We were living together. Up north, they don't care how Big I get as long as I don't get too close. <laughs> okay, same. Huh? Now, let me show you how it works. I couldn't understand in the civil rights movement why them white folks was blowing up churches, killing black folks and white folks in the stroll, killing two civil rights workers, two white and one black. And I realized why. They lived close enough to me in the South they say, if you give them niggas the right to vote, they'll be in the White House. They was right. <laughs> they were right. Huh? And y'all can sit here with all your little cuteness, but imagine if I waved a magic wand and all you black and white folks from here become dirt poor white folks with no education, can't read, can't write, living in the poor of the land. And up until Obama, you could always say, well, at least I ain't no nigger. You can't say that no more. <laughs> Imagine what they're going through. And we just came out of New York looking at some research. And for the first time in the history, first time this year, that 50% of all women that was killed was killed by their husbands or boyfriends. This is, see, you got the economy thing, plus you got this projection thing. And then all at once, if y'all would just do me a favor, go to the store this week and go to the dog food section and buy a can of Alpo. Alpo. Just don't look at it, buy it so you can show your friends. They're taking the dog off Alpo because more human beings, particularly white folks, is eating more dog food than dogs. Huh? Now, the pride, I don't want to talk about it. I want to go through so this whole mixing, I'm telling y'all. If this thing don't change, I mean, we got one set of rules, 
huh? For black folks, another set of rules for white folks, another set of rules for women. When I looked at Jeremiah Wright, when, when, when they were saying, well, how come you didn't leave the church? And the boy, like I said, he's just kind and nice because he asked me that. I just said, well, <clears throat> I didn't see no Catholic priests and nuns leaving the church when the priest got caught. <laughs> so why I got to be different, huh? Hillary asked the question. I got on the radio and said, Miss Hillary, whatever Jeremiah was doing, he wasn't breaking the law. What your husband got caught doing in the White House, that was a violation of the law. And he insulted and ashamed you and your daughter around the world. You didn't leave him. <laughs> so the rules change. Now, let me, let me just close with this. The, the, the question you ask is getting a lot of attention. And something will happen. The reason the justice of the peace or the judge had to step down is getting attention. It's getting attention. Whole lots of stuff happened that we don't know about. The three people, three people, that's the cause of slavery ending in the Civil War before Lincoln was one, I don't know why I can't think of his name. Brilliant. Uh, come on. I just, I was just at the, his award for Bill Cosby. Huh? Mark Twain. Y'all don't know who Mark Twain is. Mark Twain was born on Haley's Comet. It comes every 75 years, 75 years later. He died on Haley's Comet. What did he do? He wrote these books, and unbeknown to most folks, he was the first writer that refused to write with that old English style. Huh? He wrote Southern, Midwestern, American. And when he wrote Huck Finn, Nigger Jim, if you don't understand his intelligence and where he was coming from, you see, before he said Nigger Jim, all black folks was nigger. Come here, nigger. And when that white boy said nigger, all y'all looked. Because nigger didn't have a name. I was Kachipi's nigger. And then Mark Twain came through for the first time in the history of America and gave nigger a name. This nigger is named Jim. Huh? It's the first time that ever happened. And if you go back and read Huck Finn, you notice when they're sitting on the riverbank fishing, it's the first conversation of a black and a white as human beings. He wasn't talking to him like you own me, and he wasn't putting the, the worms on his fish hook. And when he, the white boy caught the fish, he didn't debone it. They was two human beings. Now, number two, Harry Beecher Stowe. See, we forget that 94% of white folks in America never owned slaves. So they didn't know what slaves went through until she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin and them white folks got to read what Uncle Tom went through and the atmosphere changed. Okay, so you got a black man that has a name for the first time, then she comes around and tell you who didn't know and then when you go way back down before that, 
John Brown. Y'all talk about heroes if you want. John Brown. John Brown. See, I didn't know Harper's Ferry. The raid took place on October the 16th, 150 years ago, this 16th October. 18 months before the Civil War, John Brown was a preacher. Y'all talking about some radical Islamic? He woke up one day and said, God told me to free him. And he got him a little posse together, a little group, including his sons, and raided Harper's Ferry. It was one of the two places in America where the government stored ammunition. And he went there where there was 100,000 guns and said, we're going to get these guns and give them to the slaves. How 16 people going to get? But the fear was so frightening. They got him. They killed most of them. His two sons shot him, gave him a trial, sent him to die, and they hanged him on December the 2nd. And this come December 2nd, I'm going to be at the very spot in Charlestown, West Virginia, where he died. Just to say to his spirit, we got you. Let me tell you what happened. As he walked out of the jail to go be hanged, he slipped a note to the newspaper reporter that read, for what you're doing to the black people, you will pay for it with your blood. And 16 months later, the Civil War. And when them Union soldiers was fighting, what were they singing as they marched to the front to kill or be killed? John Brown and John Brown. That's how important he was. You don't know it now because that part is here. If you go to Washington, D.C., go to Lincoln Monument. He's known all over the world for the Emancipation Proclamation. There's people that know of Lincoln and never knew he was president. If you look at that huge Lincoln Monument, not one word up there about the Emancipation Proclamation, okay? Mm -hmm. Only in America, only in America. And so, have this thing changed? You see, I don't need to be validated by nobody. There's a universal God for us. My validation's already in. Not what I can sit here and tell you. Now, I only think I got one bad blemish on my thing. I, I, I don't pay my bills. <laughs> now, I don't know if the real God's into that. If it is, then I got some explaining to do. You know? <laughs> but I don't know if y'all remember when that tree fell on my car, squashed it down, right, and survived. everybody thought I was dead. Right. And I got out the hospital that night. They ran all the checks, and the press was there with a huge picture of the car. And they said, Mr. Gregory, <clears throat> how do you explain that you're not dead? Well, they thought I was going to do what most Negroes do, which ain't nothing wrong. Jesus, I didn't say that. I, said, <laughs> I owe white folk too much money. <laughs> Just, just my Neiman Marcus account. <laughs> now, I yeah. say that to say this. 40 years ago, when I'm running in Mississippi for my life, did I ever believe that I could stand here tonight and tell you in Mississippi tonight, a black man's head of Mississippi State Troopers, black woman's head of social services, did I ever think I would see today that white folks would ask me to comment on white folk problems. 
I'm coming back from Europe three weeks ago and CNN's there at Kennedy. I mean, Gregory, you, you think we'll ever uh, uh, catch Bin Laden? I say, we? <laughs> I ain't looking for him. I'm still trying to find out who my daddy is. Thank you, baby. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, thank you so much. Oh, man. How about that? The remarkable Dick Gregory. Ah, I wish he was still around. We could use uh, his humor and his uh, intelligence and his wisdom. All of it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. It's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. It's about 12.35 now on the 9th of June, 2020. I'd like to tell you that this program is supported in part by Pizza Tree Pizza. Pizza Tree offers pizza by the slice, specialty pies, and delivery. Pizza Tree is located at 909 Cherry Street and is open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily. I don't think they're open on Mondays. At any rate, more information available at pizzatree.com or on Facebook. All right, um, let's take a break here. Play one from our featured musicians of the evening. They're called the Black Pumas, and this one is... uh, I I think we'll play touch the sky. All right, it's Mike Radio Orbit, KOPN Columbia, back in a few minutes.
Great stuff there from the Black Pumas. That one's called Touch the Sky. It's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. Great stuff also from Mr. Dick Gregory from 2010. Hope you enjoyed that conversation between Mr. Gregory and Chicago Sun-Times columnist Laura Washington from 2010. Really enjoyed that myself, and I hope you did too. If you'd like to comment on it or uh, anything else, Give me a call, 573-443-8255 or 573-443-7380. Either way, I'll get you through to the studio here and you can say hello and chat on the air for a little bit if you'd like. I had sort of a long weekend and uh, I have been traveling a little bit and back and forth between St. Louis and Columbia couple three four times actually in the last few days and um i'm a little slow on the draw tonight so i'm probably just going to play some music for you to uh kind of close out the show i will keep the eyes on the phone though and uh i'll chat for a few minutes here and keep my eye on that and see if anybody'd like to call here in the next few minutes but um i'll be back next week of course and we'll do this again and uh We'll do space weather and some of the other things that we probably won't get to tonight. I've got a number of upcoming guests that I'm getting uh, set up for the next few weeks and next month and a half or so, and I'm excited about some of the people that are going to be on the program. At 2 o'clock tonight, you'll have Eric P's Sound Legacy coming at you, and that'll take you till about 5.30 in the a.m. And from 5.30 to 8, we've got... Morning Air, wonderful, uh, diverse uh, programming for classical music every Monday from 5.30 until 8. And that happens on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday as well. We have different hosts every morning bringing you their own sort of angle on the classical music scene. And just uh, wonderful stuff to start your day. Anyway, great stuff on KOPN all the time. And if you want to find out more about what's happening here at the station, you can check it out at kopn.org. And there's a whole host of things there that you can kind of take a look at. The schedule, for one thing, you can look for shows that might be suited for your tastes. You can also look at uh, old shows and listen to them as well. Shows that have been around for the last couple of weeks are available through Radio Free, Amer- uh, Radio Free America. And there are a number of shows that are broadcast on KOPN that are podcasts as well. And that includes Radio Orbit and a program called Open Mic Radio, which I do every Friday morning at 9 o'clock. Also, my friend Diana Moxon does a program called Speaking of the Arts that's on uh, the KOPN podcast list. That, that show is aired every Friday morning at 10 o'clock following this, uh, well, not this program, but following my show, Open Mic Radio. Diana also has another new podcast. I don't know if it's directly uh, related with KOPN. I don't think it is, at least not directly. But it's called One World, Same Boat. And very interesting concept where Diana kind of takes a little uh, journey around the world every week and talks to some people from different places and about their experiences uh, in uh, their lives wherever they're at. Anyway, check it out. Uh, Just do a simple web search and... Type in One World, Same Boat, Diana Moxon's new uh, podcast. All right. Um, it is about 
12.45 now. And I'm going to play another one here from uh, the Black Pumas. We'll pretend I just did space weather. This one's called Black Moon Rising. It's Mike, Radio Orbit, KOPN Columbia. I probably won't talk to you again uh, until next week. So enjoy the week. Do your best to uh, take care of yourselves and other people. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Yeah.